0: Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs It's been, it's been a different week for me this week especially yesterday because I had instead of a bit of two-wheel fun I swapped two wheels for four wheels and I'll get on to that in a second but firstly Today's podcast episode is proudly sponsored by SizzApp. That is the motorcycle and car tracker and riders and drivers mate. If you use code FREDDY15 until the end of the month, you get a 15% discount on all 2G devices. If you're in the US, make sure you buy the 4G device because only 4G devices work in the US. And I've currently got it plugged in one device to my Fiat 500 and one device to my Bonneville. And I can check the location and the health of each vehicle from one very easy to use app. So that is SysApp with all the details in the written description. right, housekeeping first of all. I've had two, well, I've had a lot. I've had a lot of really interesting insight. Sorry, just moving my chair down. I've had a lot of interesting insight this week, but two little bits of general biking insight with regards to current cost of motorcycles. Have a listen to this. Um, And as always, I'm curious on your thoughts as well. Two comments I had. Number one, Freddie, I love your motorcycling philosophy. It's spot on. I think the era of 20,000 pounds plus motorcycling is now at a tipping point towards a basic is better or at least different. There's a growing realisation that you can have as much or even more fun with 20 horsepower as you can with 150. It's a lot cheaper too. Now, in the same vein as that, and this is completely completely coincidentally, they came along. Have a listen to this as well, someone else. Freddie. as always, things are invented. They get to a point where they are right and then we carry on going too far with it. We then look back and realize that we'd actually sorted it way back, a bit like razors. We had the Cutthroat Razor, then developed the DE Razor to perfection, but then we carried on putting more blades on aloe vera strips, wobbly heads, and now people have realized that the DE Razor was awesome and they're now reselling, go figure. There's no other brand for me that defines this, what should I call it Uh, ideology way of thinking than Royal Enfield taking us back to basics and proving that you don't have to spend a lot to have that pure joy of riding and maybe it is the case that maybe we did have it right early 2000s mid 2000s for example you know I wouldn't want to go back to carburetted bikes because I had mid-1990s Japanese motorbikes, and they were Japanese, so we're talking the more reliable end of the spectrum. Mid-1990s Japanese bikes, um, uh, all the way up to 2002 with my Suzuki Bandit, and every single one of them was a nightmare to get, starting, to get started, especially in the winter. I remember I used to work in a warehouse. I was, I was 20, I think I was 26 years old. I was working in a warehouse at the time, night shift, and I my only mode of transport was a 1993 Suzuki RF 600 in red, it cost me 790 pounds. And it, I remember, I was living in a kind of bedsit place, and I had to always park it on a, a bit of hill facing downwards. the The job I was in, being Q, which is a, a kind of warehouse shop selling bits for your your houses. It was 10 miles away, so no hope of me getting there any other way apart from the bike. And I would always have to push start it, where I'd have to get in all of my winter gear, which takes about 20 minutes in itself, and then pray, pray that the bike would start. And it was 50-50 it would start. And if it didn't start, I'd be in all all of my winter gear, desperately running with the bike down the hill as fast as I could, leaping on it and praying, praying that it would start. And if I had to do this running start three or four times because it didn't work, I would, of course, have to then push the bike all the way back up the hill and retry pushing it down again. And I would often have sweated about three kilos worth of sweat trying to push it down and jumpstart it. So I'd be fresh and ready for work. And then by the time I'd actually got to work, I'd be a shaking, nervous wreck and I would be in desperate need of a shower. So for me, the glory bits, the prime bit of that beautiful sweet spot of biking, for me, it came, it has to be injected for me. ABS, I'm sure that's a nice plus, but the only thing I really need, I need to have injection. My 2002 Suzuki Bandit was not injection, so I would say anything kind of 2008 onwards, which coincidentally is when the Bonneville became injected, is the sweet spot. Past that, nothing else bothers me. I don't feel the need for any rider modes, any other electrics. I mean, I saw on the new Triumph Tiger, The brand new Triumph Tiger has come out, and I think within its rear view mirrors, it's got some kind of safety feature built in to the rear view mirror to somehow alert you if anything's in your your blind spot. It is just going so, so far. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I do understand the argument when people say, you know, we're, we're just, constantly evolving everything whether it's motorcycles or cars or anything else when it's not actually needed i bought a toothbrush for example about 6 months ago i went into boots and there was an electric toothbrush that i was looking at and it was about i think 110 pounds or something which you will probably say what the hell are you doing spending 110 pounds on a toothbrush and and i will not argue with you on that but In this toothbrush box that was advertised, you get the electric toothbrush. You also get free access to an app and you get some kind of special phone holder with a suction cup that goes onto your mirror. So what you do, you attach your phone to a suction cup, put that suction cup mount on the mirror. You then put the front camera on your mirror to record you brushing your teeth. And then the app will explain if you've cleaned your teeth properly. And I thought, oh my God, well, this is brilliant. This is the future of teeth cleaning. I cannot wait to use this. Do you know how many times I actually used that app and the suction cup? Zero, complete, complete waste of time. And just a con It's too strong but just such a waste of time something that's completely unnecessary that no one ever asked for but still they're they're making it to try and sell more toothbrushes and to constantly evolve when it's just not needed so give me the mids give me 2008 onward motorbikes and give me a and give me a 2008 onward car as well i think that's around about the sweet spot okay i don't know if i mentioned this last week i'm moving on now one of my favorite ever jackets now, the Bellstaff Brooklyn's jacket. And I wanted to just have a quick look and see if I can find a good value secondhand one on eBay because I'm a huge secondhand fan. If we're having a look, if the price is, and I hope this gives you some ideas because I have been and I still am a huge fan, if you find your dream bit of biking gear, but 520 pounds is a lot of money. If you've got a lower budget than that, do go on and have a look at eBay for some of these. For example, I'm looking at a Bellstaff on eBay, a Bellstaff Brooklyn's motorcycle jacket here, and it's 350 pounds or best offer. And honestly, these will last a lifetime. So if you buy one of these, you will never have to worry about it degrading at all. New ones are £525, but get a second-hand one in pretty much as new condition and you'll be saving about £200. And honestly, once you've won it, once you've won anything once, it's second-hand anyway. So if you're looking for a good bargain, you may as well save a few pennies. Right. This is with regards to the Royal Enfield Classic 500, a little bit of owner's insight. And I wanted to read this out because I always find little stories, little snippets and emails very inspiring. Have a listen to this. Hi Freddie, just watching your Classic 500 video. Mine's the Chrome Classic 500 from 2018, 1,500 miles on the clock. I bought it a year ago with only 129 miles on the clock, so it was like new. I fitted a Hitchcock's Gold Star exhaust on just for a little bit more throat, see the video of the exhaust. And I did actually watch this on YouTube. It is the most perfect sounding bike I've heard. I love it and so does everyone else. It literally puts a smile on my face every time I ride it. I noticed there was a paint blemish on the tank that had, and then I had that changed by Royal Enfield, no problem at all, under warranty. It's a keeper and going up in price now that Royal Enfield have stopped making them. I'm 71 years old and I'm off to Spain solo in the summer for three weeks on a 2017 Honda CBF 1000. I also have two Honda C90s, the Cubs, one of which I've done John O'Groats to Land's End. I've also got a 1998 Honda Valkyrie Tourer that I call the Fat Lady. And that's from Duncan in South Wales. It's just such a great attitude, isn't it? So great going solo around Europe. Good for you, Duncan, and your bike taste, I should say. I couldn't believe it, actually, when Duncan listed his bikes. Honda Valkyrie, I've mentioned numerous times on the podcast. Honda Cubs mentioned numerous times, and of course, now my new favorite bike, the Royal Enfield Chrome Classic. Oh, we've got the same tastes, Duncan. I hope you've been enjoying the glorious weather in Spain over the past week. Okay, I, this has been something I've been so excited about. I actually had to contact the person who sent me this email and I said, please, you have to let me do a YouTube video on this. This is one of the most brilliant stories I've heard. So in the future, I'm hoping this summer, I really, really hope to bring you a YouTube video on this because the story just, oh, just drew me in the more I read it. It's so good I had to. I sent it off to my parents. I kept everything anonymous, like I'll do now and I read it, but I had to send it off and just forward on uh, the email because it's such a great story. Hello, Freddie and Monica. I had to get in contact after hearing your latest podcast about owning a collector's bike and if it should be ridden. Well, and I will keep this brief. Six years ago, I bought a BSA A65 Lightning 650cc, parallel twin motorcycle that had been sat for 38 years and not moved. When starting the cleaning up process, I noticed an original gold paint underneath the bad red paint job that had been given to it many years ago. So after some research, I found that BSA had made a limited run of around 200 bikes in 1965 of the lightning in gold trim with rear sets and drop handle bars. I had these in a box of parts that came with the bike. So I sent the frame and engine numbers off to the BSA club and it came back as one of the original Clubman bikes. I've even now got a certificate to prove it. So I decided to restore it back to its former glory. Then I faced the dilemma of should I ride this very rare bike? Well, I've now done 6,000 miles on it so far, and I enjoy really riding it, how it should be ridden. I've always been a fan of the British bike scene and the legend of the Tun Up Boys. I know my bike is good for 100 miles an hour. a 100 mile an hour bike from 1965. As I managed it, brackets, on a private road. Well done for just confirming that at uh, just covering your back. Well done, well done. I'm a similar age to yourself and was by far the youngest member of the BSA Club. The cherry on the cake was that when I was at the bike show, when I was at a bike show, a chap approached me and knew the original owner of my bike. Sadly, the original owners passed away, but a very long story short, I've now got the photos of my bike from back in the day. And I'm even in touch with the friend of the original owner who also had a Lightning Clubman that they bought at the same time at, the same shop and the bikes had corresponding number plates they must have been the Tun up boys the chap now lives in Canada but is coming over soon specifically to be reunited with his friend's bike I've attached a few pics I hope this is of interest and like you say uh, I have only told you a brief bit of this story I I was enthralled by this story. And then I had a look at the photos and I can just see this BSA. It looks, it's a proper, proper barn find. It's rusted in its original state. It's got that red tank. You would just think it's a, a standard BSA gold star. I mean, to be able to actually uncover that, see that gold paint underneath the re-sprayed red what a thing to find it's a bit like finding some buried treasure and the the restoration that this rider has done is completely stunning it's now in gold with chrome inserts on each side of the tank and it is one of the most beautiful motorcycles it's also got some really aggressive what do we call them did did we say uh just Drop down cafe racer bars, but properly, properly aggressive style. It's a stunning piece of work, and that is without question a bike that I'm sure you'll keep for the rest of your life. So, I I cannot tell you how much I want to bring that to the YouTube channel. So, fingers crossed. And I move on to a dilemma, a dilemma from another rider, and I have actually replied to this now. But have a listen to this because. I find this especially interesting because I hear of so many different bikers who have the same kind of dilemma. It takes a while when we pass our motorbike tests to, to figure out the kind of rider we are. You know, Are we a, a big adventure bike kind of rider? Are we more of a, a Harley cruiser kind of rider? Or are we a modern classic person? Or of course, do we love Japanese sports bikes? There are no right or wrong answers, but it takes a while to figure out what kind of rider you are. And the only way you can really figure that out is by actually buying the bike. And I know that's a big commitment, or at least being able to test it for a good chunk of time, and then you will immediately know once you've bought or at least once you've tried that bike. Yes, because that feeling immediately. The feeling. immediate when you know the right kind of bike that suits you. For me, it took me five bikes to get it. The Bonneville. You know, I've said it before. I had a Honda CB500F. I then had a Suzuki RF600. I had a Triumph Speed Triple. I had a Suzuki Bandit. And the fifth one, Triumph Bonneville, first bike I've ever owned. I felt, yep, this is the kind of biker I want to be. So have a listen. Hi, Freddie. I recently came across your channel um, and really enjoy it. I love the fact you're just a few miles from me, where I live in Lower Stoft. The only reason I haven't, um, oh, and your Bonneville is my dream bike, but the only reason I haven't ever got one is I don't want to be disappointed, as I have so many, if not all, of my previous bikes. So this rider, he's had four bikes, And not one of them he's ever felt, you know, quite like, yes, this is me. Not one's ever completely clicked. And I completely feel, I feel the pain of this rider. So the only reason I haven't ever bought a Bonneville is I don't want to be disappointed. These are my previous bikes, various mopeds, Honda CBR 125, Honda CBR 650F, Husqvarna Vitpilen 701. That's a cool bike. That is a cool bike, actually. I mean, they're all good bikes, but I like the look of that. And a Honda CB1000R current bike. See, that's a big, that's a big change, the Honda CB1000R to a Bonneville. And I continue. Well, I'm now in the market for a new bike, and this one, I want to make the right one, the Keeper. I'm debating a few and would love to know your opinion. Here are the four bikes that I'm debating. Honda Africa Twin, Triumph Bonneville, Triumph Scrambler or Street Scrambler and a Triumph Speed Twin. These are my current favorites. Let me know what you think, Freddie. I had a lot of fun answering this email um, and this will completely come down to, and it really does amaze me, because I've been in this situation, but how many people have been in my situation and this rider's situation? You've got a wide range of bikes that you're looking at and whatever bike that you choose from this list, you know, you've got the Africa Twin, you've got an adventure bike, um, you've got the modern classic with the Bonneville and you've got the more sporty version of the Bonneville and the Speed Twin. But the bike that you buy, will determine a lot more things than sometimes we realize. It will actually determine the the kind of biking gear that you want to wear with that bike, and it will determine the kind of riding that you do. For example, if you go out and you buy a Bonneville, it lends itself beautifully to relaxing rides to the coffee shop, just squeezing in a gap between two cars, nice and nimble, nice and agile, slim profile. It lends itself to wearing lifestyle motorcycle gear, jump on, jump off, maybe not the absolute last word in safety with the gear, but gear that's really comfortable everywhere and gear that genuinely looks good everywhere. Whereas if you buy an adventure bike, it does change things. You do get, and I welcome of course your opinion on this if you agree or not, but you get pushed slightly more towards the the full Gore-Tex, the textile adventure-style riding side of things. And as you get that side of biking gear, sometimes it can just lead away from the more relaxing five or ten-minute rides to the coffee shops, for example. I mean, I remember when I had my Triumph Speed Triple. It just didn't lend itself as much to a casual coffee shop run in the same way that the Bonneville did, just with that laid-back easygoing, you know, modern and classic vibe that it has. But every bike has its purpose. Um, so probably the best bike of the lot, I'm sure, is the Africa Twin. But it's just what bike you think will suit your lifestyle. I should say I've only ridden the Trance Speed Twin for about 20 seconds in the wet, so I can't comment. But that bike is noticeably more aggressive than the Bonneville. It is a different kind of riding with that, uh, the Speed Twin. It's a more focused weapon. I recommended to this rider the bonneville but i am biased and i know that there'll be plenty of people that don't agree but for my kind of riding personally i love the bonneville because it's easy going and it can be a commuter bike it can be a tourer bike you can have two up very comfortably it's got a great seat and it lends itself to that that cool looking biking gear or at least cool in my mind so that's why i love the bonneville so much because it's a complete package i like the biking gear you know almost as much as i like the bikes i'll have everything that goes with that modern classic riding the gear the lifestyle everything so that's personally for me why i like the bonneville oh oh this is good nadir nadir sent in a picture of one of the most breathtakingly beautiful bikes i have ever seen and that is and i'll just get this up um freddy uh, just uh, showing a few, uh, a few photos of the vintage, the Indian vintage, and it's in green. I've I've just lost the picture, but he, uh, he's got it in Nadir has bought, and I think Nadir's over in India. The most beautiful Indian motorcycle that I've seen, the vintage with a, almost a mint green and cream fenders and tank. And I think he's got the brown panniers on. I'm looking at the stock images just cause I've lost Nadir's pick, but it's art. I mean, Nadir was telling me that he just, he can spend significant amounts of time just looking at it, looking at the lines, sitting down in front of it, like it is a piece. So I just smashed my leg, like it is a piece of art. And I did think, actually, when I looked, it probably is, well, you've got the Harley Softail Deluxe, probably one of the best looking bike I've ever seen. But this Indian vintage, I wouldn't argue with anyone who said that this is the best looking bike ever made or currently on the market. It is breathtakingly stunning. So can I afford one is what I want to know. Because this would probably go into a dream garage along with the along with the royal enfield classic five hundred so i mean this this for one amazes me i 'm on auto trader bike trader there's this one available there's just one available this is the the market we 're in at the moment i don't know if it 's because we've still got this microchip shortage, but there's only one available twenty nineteen It's in the right colours for me. It's £15,500. And I actually, I do actually prefer the vintage over the vintage dark horse with all black. I think it looks very special in these colours. But £15,500 even for a three year old bike. And I'd be very surprised if these go down at all. They may even start creeping up in value because that's that's a rock solid. Residual-wise, that's a rock-solid bike. And I mean, it just gives me some ideas. You know, looking at the Indian Scout Bobbers as well, the bike I had on test a year ago, cheapest one, £9,000. Second cheapest, £10,750. Very few available. Very, very few of these bikes available. Now, second-hand, second-hand Indian Scout Bobbers right now on bike trader two a twenty eighteen and a twenty nineteen model it 's going to be very difficult if you 're looking for a bike this summer and you want a good deal we 're coming up to the last month when you 're going to get a genuinely good deal because biking season's almost here borderline it 's almost too late. you need to get one within the next two weeks, but the choice is so much less this year with everything that 's been going on in the world than it often is so if you're in the market for one, get on it now. Right, Rob, Rob from over in the US. Thank you, Rob, I always enjoy your messages. Um, Freddie, here comes the Hyundai Kia of motorcycles, soon to be on the heels of mainstream manufacturers. Royal Enfield will carve out a large niche from companies charging a small fortune for their bikes. You know what, Rob? This leads on exactly to my first two emails that I had. There were more and more people saying this, you know, are they pushing it too much now bikes? Are they starting to charge too much and offer too much when we don't need that? We're not asking for it. I'm having more and more people saying that, and I'm carrying on, Rob. Royal Enfield will carve out a large niche from companies charging a small fortune for their bikes. The Royal Enfield Scrambler 411 is a stripped-back Himalayan for urban fun. This bike is going to do incredibly well. I briefly mentioned it, I think, on Instagram a few days ago. It's a bike that really caught my eye, like all of the, uh, the Royal Enfields do. Right, have a look at this. So and I'm reading here from MCN. Most scrambler models are just about the looks. So what does that actually mean? Well, Sticking to the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mantra. The engine and chassis on the scram are virtually unchanged from the Himalayan. That means that it comes with the same 411cc air-cooled single, which produces 24 horsepower. The Harris-designed chassis too is pretty much as was, carrying the forks and monoshock at the rear. The only minor change here is a slight reduction in suspension travel. The biggest change is to swap in a 19-inch front wheel and 21-inch rear, which should give it better road manners nippier steering and help lower the bike a little too the other major changes is that the the fairing has clearly gone uh, as has the high mudguard instead there's now a stripped down look with a small bit of bodywork to cover the back of the new clocks which were a bit more modern than those fitted to the HIMI. And also include Enfield's trip and navigation unit as standard. See, that's all brilliant. This looks great. Royal Enfield aren't trying to reinvent the wheel. The only thing. The only thing I would personally take off there is the trip and navigation. I said it with the Royal Enfield Meteor when I tried it. Um I don't think I think they should cut the price of the bike a bit and get rid of that trip and navigation. I tried it for about four hours in Tenerife and it didn't work for a good chunk of the time. I got stranded on the motorway, having no idea where I was and I couldn't reconnect my phone to the Tripper sat-nav. So for me personally, get rid of the Tripper sat-nav and knock off 50, 100 pounds from the prices of the bikes. Keep it simple, especially with Royal Enfield. They're best when they keep it simple. Forget about the Tripper sat-nav, in my eyes, and, uh, and just keep it as simple as possible. But that bike, I'm just checking here for prices. Royal Enfield are remaining tight-lipped about the price, but a Himalayan currently starts at 4,699, and we'd expect the Scrambler to come in at similar money by the time it arrives in dealers by early summer this year. That's everything a Scrambler should be, I think. I would very, very seriously consider getting one for myself. I loved the Himalayan so, so, so much. And having a look at this now, maybe it's just a little bit more street biased and the perfect fit. The 411 engine isn't a good engine in general, but does it matter? Not one bit. Not one bit, because they've got that soul. They've got the very essence of what biking's all about. And I will leave it there, but keep an eye on that. A lot of people are talking about this, and I think I think Royal Enfield will smash it out the park once more with this Scram 4.11. This is a bike that I'm desperate to try, along with the Royal Enfield Classic 350. Right, I'll end it there. Thank you so much to Sizzat for sponsoring this week's episode. For 15% off. Use code FREDDY15VALID until the end of March. Thank you so much everyone for listening to this week's episode. Have a superb week all and I'll speak to you in the next one.